Hello and welcome back to the Math and Physics Podcast. This is episode number 11 and I'm your host, Parker. And I am Ray and today we have a special guest, an upper year physics student, third year. Uh, we have Matt. So Matt, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, this is really cool. I've been speaking with Parker about it for a bit. This is one of the few, the few things I've kind of heard in the podcast space, at least from our school and from some people I've known. And I've told him this is really cool. I love the idea. I love the concept. You guys definitely know to deliver it. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks, man. Um, this is actually like one of the reasons why we wanted to start it because there's not really like, I don't really consume content like created by U of T students and, you know, in like my field of like physics and math. So we thought we might as well just like start something new, you know? I think the podcast idea was really good. Yeah. It just, uh, it mainly gave us uh, something to do in quarantine, I think. And it just became yeah. like a fun project for us, you know? So I really appreciate it. I love podcasts. I consume a lot of podcasts. It's one of my like favorite things to do. And I've always been like, man, I want to get on a podcast. And then like right when <laughs> I was like, I saw it and I was like, yes, this is, and this is the exact thing I want to, I want to get, I want to get across to. Also, I don't know if um, you guys can relate to this, but at least a lot of the, a lot of my friends who are outside of, our community in terms of the math and physics side of things. I, I'm sure you guys can relate to the the type of thing where, oh, you want to tell, you know, your high school friend, like maybe just some friend, you know, about what you're doing. And it's kind of hard to communicate it because they're not really picking up what yeah, you're putting down a lot true. of the time, you know? And so like those typical, like a glass of wine over the dinner table conversations, they're usually about your go-to history, art, politics, yeah. but it's you, you, and you know, like we're all like sort of knowledgeable on it. It's fun to participate, but it's like, we can't really nerd out together the same way those history yeah. majors can and stuff. Yeah. So I'm loving that we can like sit down and like we can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely love just talking about math and physics. Like that's the reason why I'm here, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. Parker and I have had extensive, like believe me when I tell you, I say extensive conversations on math oh, yeah. and physics and just random topics. We just start talking sometimes. I think it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I love what. I, what another thing I want to say is I see a lot of, I see a lot of parallels between you guys and me and my friend Jonah. Me and my friend Jonah mm-hmm. Mackey is a same year, same program as I, and we actually followed the exact same path up to the first two years. We were both in the physics back, and then we both switched in the programs we're in now. And I'll I'll talk about that in a sec. But we we would also just like, you know, you you guys know that you you grind for two weeks for a damn midterm, and then yeah, <laughs> you leave, and then you're like, I don't know how that went or it didn't, and then you me and Jonah would like go get a beer and then we'd sit in like Christie pits or something like that. We would just talk about like the real number line or just like something. And we would just sit and we would just go for like 90 minutes, just like (laughs) it's construction, his perspective, my perspective. And we would just have fun with it. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I see a lot of you guys. I feel like a lot of people, you know, are especially like us and they, uh, you know, and all you really need is that one guy to talk talk through it with you know especially when it comes yeah. to new concepts you can just sit down and be like i think it works like this and they're like well actually i think it works like this and you can just go from there we had that issue with quantum mechanics for sure because that's have you guys taken 256 yet not right no, no. Not yet. yeah that's a that's a funny that's a fun one that is, <laughs> that's a real very excited for a second year quantum mechanics i'll tell you that scared but yeah. excited at the same time yeah like ray said at the beginning i'm third year we're starting third year in september I did a physics spec and a math major for the first two years. So I finished all the requirements for those. 
And then moving into third year, I was kind of leaning towards the math more towards actually mm-hmm. second semester of second year. I was just kind of gelling with the math a bit more. And so I switched to the applied math specialist with the physics subdiscipline. So that means in the next two years or so, I have like a handful of physics score. It's kind of like I can take up to like six or something like that. And I can take as little as one or two if I want and kind okay. of spread it out like that. But yeah, that's just for, for context for the mm-hmm. listeners if they want to know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So courses wise, I've taken, yeah, 151, 152. And those were, oh my God, those were no, trust me, those were no fun. I remember you were, you were telling me about how the 151 final exam was going to be like absolutely impossible. But I actually, I think they changed it, to be honest, because I didn't, I didn't find it like absolutely as impossible as you described it. I mean, it was pretty hard. We were talking about how hard it was on yesterday's podcast. So, I mean, it was still pretty hard. I mean, yeah, like I was, I was listening to it and you guys were talking about it, but all, all I can say is go to the old exam repository and pull up the 2018 one and you'll, you'll see what I mean. It is just <laughs> the most insane exam, even to this day. And I've written two fi- PHY 256, 250, um, 254, uh, the practical physics Course. You're saying the 151 exam is harder than the quantum mechanics exam? I found personally, like if you see that 151 final, you will see what I mean. Like wow. you have to look at my final. It was so okay. absurd, dude. I actually want to go see it now. I seriously <laughs> do. Oh my. Here, let me let me just uh I just have another tab right now. As I as I talk about it, I'm just gonna pull one question. I won't ramble too long about exams, but this one was just especially yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> And I, I can't even believe they actually put it mm-hmm. on the old exam repository after uh, it happened. I remember we left and some of my friends, they were like, man, if I got a 37, I'm like so happy right now. It was just, it was just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Okay. 2018 for context, I'm just going to read. So the way they did it is they put about two manageable problems. So one was like uh, rotational motion and conservation of momentum and stuff. Yeah. And then some of them, the first question was like a uh, multiple choice. But some of them were so ridiculous. Like, for example, one of our multiple choice was like, show the scalar product of two vectors defined to be like a dot b is the magn- the product of the magnitudes of the two vectors and times the cosine of the angle between them, right? So like very standard inner product for like yeah. Euclidean spaces. But that sounds a lot like uh, linear algebra. And not yeah. Physics. And then it said using this definition only prove that the scalar product is distributive over addition. So this is just a pure like, uh, axioms of vector spaces and stuff like that. But wow, when okay. you're 18, it's like, it doesn't even make sense why that's on the mm-hmm. exam. Yeah. And this is just one multiple choice. And then the other multiple choice was derive the parallel axis theorem from scratch oh using moments oh. of inertia. <laughs> um, and then oh starting to Newton's laws of motion, demonstrate the principle of conservation of energy to be true for a system of point particles undergoing contact interactions. These are multiple choice. And you're supposed to pick two and provide short answers. Jeez. What, and wow. then another one was use dimensional analysis to deduce an expression for the energy of an explosion in terms of the radius of the blast wave at the time t since the explosion and the density of the air surrounding the explosion. Bro, I what have literally no idea. What, I have no, what was that exactly. question? And then another one, that wasn't even the most egregious one. That's literally problem one, just for context. Okay. And then another one was literally prove the space-time uh, interval to be invariant under, I think, non-inertial frames. Let me read this. Show the space-time interval delta S squared equals C squared delta T squared minus delta R squared of two events is invariant under all Lorentz transforms 
And then are these two explosions time-like or space-like separated? Oh, I didn't God. read the problem, but that's just like, and that's a three-point problem. And that's part A of three. And Jesus. then the most, I think the most ridiculous one was this one. It was use the principle of re- relativity, i.e. that physical laws are the same in all inertial frames and the assumption that kinetic energy is a conserved quantity and the relativistic formula for velocity addition to derive from scratch the formula for relativistic momentum. You may not use the validity of the formulas for relativistic momentum and relativistic energy given in the formula sheet, i.e. equations 15 through 17. What on earth? What on earth? I sat there. I read that. I'm like, what are you talking about? How am I I'm supposed (laughs) to derive that from scratch? Yeah, it was was so, so absurd. The best way I can describe how ridiculous it is, it was just that Daniel James himself. Do you guys know Daniel James? No. No. Oh, okay. He's one of the, like the uh, department heads. He's been at the school for a long time and he was teaching 151 my year. He literally came into the exam hall. At, he, you know how it's split up into multiple exam rooms? Yeah. Yeah. He went to every single one and had to stop the, the exam clock and do like a 10 minute lecture on the board, clarifying specific things on the equation sheet and adding things he would think we would need. No That's way. How- he literally came in with his vest. He's like this dude who comes in a suit that stopped the clock and then started teaching on the board <laughs> during an exam. <laughs> that does not sound good. Like, I I couldn't even like describe to you just like. Yeah. And I talked to Parker like even in the fall of this year where he was like, "Yeah, like it's I really like the prof. He's a more chill guy." I'm like, "Thank God." That yeah. Bro, that that had to be quite an experience to have like some guy like first year of university first semester during your final some guy walks in starts giving a lecture on the board (laughs) it definitely toughened me up because that was the first time i feel like and i think that's kind of like the whole point of it and i think that's why they do it was the first time um i don't know if you guys experienced it or not you maybe maybe not have but where i was sitting at an exam and i was like damn Maybe I couldn't do it. Maybe I didn't. Like self-belief kind of like like the yeah. first time, like sort of slip. And there's like this like horrible feeling. And you're like, I can't solve this problem if it was. I had that uh, for 137, the first midterm. The very oh. first midterm, like one month into, into the first year, I was just like, dude, I don't know what to write. I think in the first uh, 151 or 152 midterm, I'm not sure or or maybe one of the four midterms i still remember i was uh i was doing it and while i was doing it i, I promise you the thought of do i really want to choose physics actually came in my mind because i had no idea how to do this question and i'm like i don't think i'm cut out for this so maybe it's it's not my field you know i've had a lot of those moments that's yeah dude it's it's real but yeah here um let me uh i can how about I just like answer some questions you guys have about, are you guys both in the physics spec or what do you guys? Yeah. So I actually had one question about that because you said sure. in the beginning that um, you were doing a physics spec and a math major. Yeah. Initially. Yeah. For the That's first year. crazy. So a physics specialist and a math major. Yes. Yeah, I was. Isn't I, that uh, like, isn't that like way too much? Well, so the way they, so you can, so within your physics spec actually, which I learned and I'm glad I can like talk to you guys about it. Cause yeah. It's something that can help you is that you complete like almost an an entire math major just on the math courses required for your physics spec. So if you want to get a math major as well on your diploma, you can just add on, I think it's like three half courses Mm -hmm. or four, maybe something, 
something in those realms. And you do have the core slots for it. If you look at it, it's just more like what you find manageable as well as interest wise. But you complete so much already that you guys should like um, sit down with the art side calendar, see if it's something for you. Because yeah. it sounds like a huge uh, up. I know, yeah. I didn't take the compliment, but I'm to be completely honest, like it's a little bit more. Don't get me wrong, but it's in, especially in the first two years when like your courses are so regimented, it's almost identical to the uh, to the physics back you're already in. So really oh, look yeah. into it. Yeah, that's kind of that, that is kind of smart. Yeah, that's why I was like kind of in it. But yeah, yeah. yeah so you took one three seven. Yeah, so I was in one five seven for a couple oh, weeks. 1-5. Okay. And then I was like, honestly, I don't know why I left it. I was just an impressionable eighteen year old. Everyone told me it was suicide. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm out. I didn't even like get to the point where it could have gotten like properly difficult or I would have yeah. felt mm-hmm. like out of place. But I just dropped, I dropped it at, at like the two week mark and then went to one, three, seven and one, three, seven was more than hard enough. That was, I was like, <laughs> yeah. How, how did you find it? Did, did you enjoy one, three, seven? It was my favorite course for sure, but it was the one that I was getting destroyed. Mm, yeah. It was such a culture shock. I'm not joking. This, uh, this credit, no credit that U of T gave us the opportunity for the unlimited credit, no credits have yeah. probably saved like Parker and my GPA from the math course because we credit, no credit in the math. Yeah. Mine wasn't that bad though. I only got like a 70 in uh one three seven. Oh, did you? Yeah. I, I got like a 65 or like a 67 or something. I forgot. Maybe I, I told you, but it was just, you know, it was just the GPA that was just being brought down. So I just credited, no credited it. But I think that entire concept is really good. Those unlimited ones because of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have 137 under Alfonso? Yeah. He, he was like the video guy, but he wasn't really our teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So a little different. So he didn't course coordinate. Yeah, Wait, so, so I, he was your professor? Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, that must have been such an honor. Oh, it was. He's, he's, he's one of the most brilliant minds. Oh, I've, seriously. I've, and also, like, I want to tell a story about Alfonso, actually. Go for it. When I, was in, when I was in first year, man, I wrote that first test. And I shit you not, 41.53. I'll remember that number. For <laughs> my and I was like, damn, was it that hard? I thought I got like, I walked out thinking I got like a 76. I'm not yeah. kidding. I walked out, I was like, yeah, like I probably did all right. Like, you know, B, B-ish, B-plus-ish, whatever. We'll live. And then I remember I was in 151 practical when I got the mark back. And I was like, oh, my God. I had to, like, step out of the room, get a drink of water. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I, had, I have the same experience except the opposite. So this was a uh, second semester. Oh, I remember this. Was, this. this was the third midterm. Yeah. And so I, I felt so confident walking out of that midterm. It was like, it was like the integral one. Yeah, and yeah. And like, about a week later, I was in, I was in the 152 practical. I get an email from, uh, what's it called, Crowdmark. I check yeah. my grades super anxious and I get like an 87. I'm like, yo, <laughs> let's go. And that was the one midterm that I was not present for too. So we can never compare. Oh, true. Mm, but yeah. Must be nice. I wrote that test, got destroyed. And then test two, I was like, I, I need a pass, man. I need a pass. And I got yeah. like a 51. And then test three, I write it and I'm like, okay, I think I did a bit better. But I was still just in the mindset of I want to pass. Because yeah. it was that. And I was like, okay, got like a 56. And then I don't know what happened, but like, also during that time, I lost so many friends in the course because they all dropped it. Because they were getting killed. 
it was, uh, yeah, it, everyone was just getting killed. And so I was like, and then you know how they tell you, I don't know if they tell you, but they tell you like the test, the unit three stuff is usually the most difficult Yeah. for students. Um, and I remember going into that second half of the course and I was like, dude, like, I don't know how I'm going to even sort of recover from this. And I was not going to drop a full year course. You know what true. I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so I remember like test four, I wrote something clicked after like the, during the unit three stuff. I don't, I think just working hard enough, something just clicked. And then test four, I got like an 88 and then the final I wrote and I got like, they actually, I don't know if I got my mark back for it, but it must've been good enough because I somehow actually managed to end the course with like, like a 74 four or five wow or like from that. a 37 on the test yeah. to a 75 ending yeah it was like the one of the yeah it was it was it was crazy wow, that's 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 really that's really awesome yeah and the, the problem sets too i had like i think i got like a 78 overall in the problem sets because we wrote like 10 mm-hmm. yeah but the reason why i brought that up is first of all if anyone's listening and they're like holy shit i'm getting killed um i don't know what i'm gonna do i would just say stick with it and like put in the hours same i would say that as well because first semester i think my average was literally like a 50 and i was ser- like like the, i was at christmas break and i was waiting for my like grades to come in for i think it was like a problem set or something and i'm like man if i like continue like this i'm literally like walking the tightrope of failing or passing but yeah. Yeah. By the end of it, I you know, you just never give up, obviously. Keep yeah. working hard. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, like, you know, either <laughs> I guess like either you do better or you don't, but usually like if you just keep working hard, you will get better. Yeah. Also cuz uh, 137 is like an incredibly important course for our physics specialists, right? And mm-hmm. and even mm-hmm. if we like in the future don't want to take a physics specialist, we will probably want something in science, right? Because I guess we all like science. So 137 is anyways a necessity. So I guess yeah. it was kind of a mixture between we have to do it and we want to do it. But I was, I think it was mainly the have to part okay. that was pushing us to do better. Yeah, I feel that. And so back to how I wanted to, like the reason I brought that up was because of Alfonso. And after, I don't know if you guys had this with your course coordinator, but what Alfonso did after test one and two or just after test one he sent out an email to every student who was in a certain um grade range in the course currently mm-hmm. and he sent out a simple statistic which you could take as him being an asshole i took it as him being really nice mm-hmm. where he sent it out and he said hey 83 percent of students in the past who are in this grade range um at this time of the course dropped or failed that simple Damn. And- said if um and so it was different so if you were in like the 40 to like 55 range he would say like 65 percent of you but if you were in the lowest tier it said basically like 85 percent of you wow and then um, yeah it's tough and so and depending on the email he would say i i recommend you drop or like if you were like a 21 he goes like i recommend you drop you know Uh but if if you're like sort of in the passing area he said hey hopefully like you come talk to me Maybe we can like see how to further your success. And I remember I was just like, I'm going to go see him. And I just went to his office after like, I emailed him, of course, in barge in. And I was like, hey, I want to do better in your course. I feel like I'm being vested in it right now. And you're like way better than me at this, obviously. 
kid you've ever seen. I'm still a kid, but like at the time I was like, I'm such a kid. Please help. Like, yeah. and he was like, you're the only guy who actually took me up on my offer to come see how they can improve. And the reason yeah. I'm bringing it is because people don't like right when they get deflated, they're not like when people like reach out and stuff like that, you have to go. You know That's what I mean? Cool. Yeah. The turning point for me sitting with him. And then we, we sat for like 20 minutes talking about me. And then I said, Hey, like, can I steal some more of your time? I want to understand like, uh, Gauss's law, for example, because yeah. we saw it a little bit. This was before I learned it in one, five, two, but I didn't understand the concept of surface integral, of course, because I hadn't taken multivariable calculus. And obviously he couldn't give me the rigorous rundown of it, but he like, it was just cool. We just got to have this bonding moment where we just sat down for an hour and we just basically mm-hmm. shoot the shit about his career. I even asked him about his research and like all this stuff. But that moment, although it's not like he bestowed mathematical knowledge to me, all he really did was make me feel like I belonged there more, which gave me enough self-confidence to prove to myself I belonged there more. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's amazing. That's actually really cool. Yeah, and so he's the he's he's a really he's a really great guy. But the reason I brought it up is because I know you guys have listeners, you know, mm. who are maybe in similar shoes. And I've even talked to guys in like you know uh, the math aid center at PG Physical Geography Building. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen dudes like studying there. Like, fuck, I can't. I don't get this. And I've just talked to them, told them like similar things, and it's helped them and stuff. And so I wanted you guys. I'm not gonna lie though. I've actually been to the uh, to the physical geography building with like the aid center, and yeah. okay, maybe it was just my personal experience there. But those people are so rude. Those math profs and those teachers <laughs> are like, I mean, I get it. They're they're probably geniuses, but that yeah. doesn't give them the right to like. Okay, because I, I was actually searching for um the coordinator because I was gonna miss a midterm right this yeah. semester. And so I was asking them for where he would be and all of them just shut their door on me or just said, I don't know, get out. And I'm like, okay, thank you for your help. But it was very, very sad. So I wasn't a big fan of the AIDS building, unfortunately. What, what about you? Um, I've, I've only been to the PG building once and it's because I had to get like approval on a regrade or something because they didn't have it online so I just went there and I was waiting for my for my prof and I was just like sitting watching people do math and it looked like a chill spot to to go and learn but I I never actually like went there yeah I hear what what Ray's saying though because when I when I first started going it was just because there was office hours there yeah so I went and I was like okay this is cool it was a little intimidating also at first because like you said, a lot of TAs are dicks. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of them. I know. And I, and I would witness like kids get like basically like just uh, in like condescending ways, just like deflate them. And they're like, I don't get this. Yeah. And they just, I even saw it down into second year, like kids trying to go get help and they don't really know what they're doing. And that's yeah. okay. You're allowed to not know what you're doing, but you know, sometimes profs kind of have like a short fuse or same with TAs and they're like, you should get this. It's kind of mean. But luckily for me, that's where I kind of made my community. Like I just spent so like uncountably many hours there just like Mm -hmm. on those whiteboard and especially in that basement, even second year, I, I spent a lot of my time in my hall during second year, but even in second year when it was like hunker down week before term test or something Mm -hmm. like that, two, three, seven, I just like, I was just in PG. Oh, so you took two, three, seven. Yeah. I just finished two, three, seven. Yeah. How was it? 
I loved it. Favorite course to date. Wow. Um, an incredible instructor, though. Um, I don't know if you know him. His name is Jean Baptiste. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he was incredible. The course coordinator was okay, in my opinion. It was kind of like a little disorganized. But luckily, our my specific instructor went out of his way to like give us review sheets, and he made his own lecture notes that he put online, and mm-hmm. so much. He has this whole website document. I could send you guys a link if you want to like see what two three sevens. Yeah, that would be that would be great. Yeah, it's all his handwritten notes with examples and diagrams. It's it's crazy the amount of stuff and like type talks and stuff. And he put it all together like during that year. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to ask if you have any friends in the physics specialist or major or whatever program that took two three five. Yeah, I did. I do. And how did he or she do? I guess. Not necessarily in the course, but just in general, like, okay, I guess my question is, is 235 sufficient for a physics specialist? Or do you like really need 237? Hmm. This is where, this is where we get to the, one of my favorite parts of just literally physics education debate. Mm -hmm. Do you do an entire degree in math before you get to pick up a pen and do physics? You know what I mean? And do real physics. Yeah. And me and my friend, and that's a, a, honestly a lot of the reason why I found myself leaning towards the math as you go up in years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't go, I'll, I, I can touch on that in a minute, but to answer your question directly, um, I saw the two, three, I've seen the two, three, five material. Okay. And I took two, three, seven and did the physics spec all throughout second year. And what I can say is if you really want to, okay, so for the, okay, quantum mechanics is this weird I'm just going to go through the courses and, and then tell you how each course would help you. Yeah, or Of course. So 254, for example, which is classical mechanics for anyone not listening. It's your, it's not foundational physics, like 151. It's like your first dedicated classical mechanics course. Uh-huh. And the math you see in it is going to be differential equations mostly. Okay. And single differential equations. You might see some PDEs, but that's not anything you're responsible for in 254. That's going to be a 354 thing, which for anyone wondering, again, is third-year classical mechanics. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the calculus, you're you're okay. You don't even need multivariable calculus for that um, course, really. You do. They they talk they talk they touch on gradients, which can be useful, but you'll get enough of that, I think, from 235 just in terms of like the overview of like kind of what a gradient is just as a differential operator and stuff. And yeah. very too much possible, but where it really comes in is quantum and ENM. And we all know how foundational those two are. Like you guys could take that course and just go, Oh, I'm in, I'm all in on that. You know, most yeah. people do that. Like, I don't know too many classical mechanics guys. <laughs> you know, yeah. People get like deep into quantum optics or like they, they're obsessed with, you know, I heard your last podcast. You guys were super into the electric field unit. Yeah. yeah. And ENM is li- very literally written in the language of multivariable calculus mm-hmm. by like, by construction. And 237 was like indispensable there. If you want to really, really, really know what's going on, you'll Fair. be able to apply the like the formulas and go like, oh, I know how to solve for this or I know how to integrate this out or I know, how, you know what I mean? But if yeah. you want to, it was to like, it was literally to the point where I was taking notes and they would kind of say something like a physical something about it's hard to put in the language because you guys haven't taken the multivariable calc yet, right. but it would say something and I would go, Oh, that actually makes sense. Cause it's so coherent with the rest of the multivariable calculus I've learned, but on uh, an analysis, not on the, 
Do you see what I mean by uh-huh. the first calculus, which is the one five seven versus one uh-huh. three three six? Where I was like, oh, of course, because like because the gradient does this, or of course because you know the Jacobians kind of like structured in this way, or like yeah. mm-hmm. I can give, and then quantum mechanics has deep deep linear algebra that surpasses what you're gonna see in two three seven. Of course, it's like two fifty six is this kind of weird shit show where it's like you you won't have anywhere near the math ready to really really know what's going on, mm-hmm. but like being able to think in a proof-based way, being able to think in an analytic way, especially, it's just, it's, it's so good. Like, I don't, I can't, I can't express enough how, how much more physics you're getting out of it. If you're really in tune with the construction of these, of these mathematical objects, as opposed to just their application. Yeah, I'm feeling in, inspired to take 237 now. I was really planning on taking, um, what's it called? 235. Um, that's what I was planning on doing, but like after what you just said, I'm I'm really thinking about it. Yeah, I, I if you're gonna ask me, I'm gonna scream two three seven from the rooftops. Once again, I'm I'm a I'm a math guy now, more so. Yeah. I but be having been a physics guy for and I still consider if someone asked me, Hey, do you study physics? I'd be like, Absolutely. But in terms of in terms of just really getting everything out of it, not just going like, oh, like cause you know how in physics you can go, Oh, that's just the math stuff. Blah blah blah, and you can go. It it intuitively makes sense why this, like for example, like you guys did um, Newton's second law, of course, and you saw it framed. I think in one five two as like mx double dot as opposed to ma. Yeah. For example, like with the two time derivatives. We have, we haven't seen the, like, the double dot yet, but yeah. 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 So so you start viewing Newton's second law as a differential equation, which it is, as opposed to just um, kind of like a. I don't know, just an ordinary one, yeah, right? Yeah. And that, that's just an example where you can see this. You can go, okay, I know how to solve this. And I understand why F equals MA. But in terms of unpacking it a bit more and seeing kind of the machinery behind it so that you can develop your own physics, you need like yeah. that math is indispensable. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's you- true. So um, just a really quick question on uh, 137 versus 237. Like when yeah. you were a second year student and when you were a first year student, like which yeah. one was harder? Hard to answer. One three seven came with the difficulty of the culture shock and mm-hmm. me literally just not knowing how to do math in terms of like really do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What maths were, and then two three seven conceptually, and like just material wise is of course far far surpasses uh, in terms of sheer difficulty. But in terms of you being, it felt, it came more naturally to me because I had learned how to think mm-hmm. in 137. Okay, okay, yeah. I feel like I was rambling and panicking in 237, mm-hmm. but I was working harder. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. it does. Mm-hmm. It was like, it feel harder in the sense that like, I can't do this. I was putting in more hours, but it was coming to me at this kind of nicer pace and in a more coherent picture. So in terms of which I thought was, Harder in the sense that, like, you know, like panicky harder. One, three, seven, for sure. Okay, okay, that's actually very, uh, that's very yeah. satisfying to hear. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> give me a lot more incentive to take two, three, seven. All right, guys. So this podcast has been going on for about thirty-three minutes. We're not done the actual conversation. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut it off here and call it part one, and then we're just going to keep talking and post part two. Um, I guess like the next day. I guess make it kind of like a 
part one, part two kind of deal. And uh, because we don't want to post like an, an hour podcast mm-hmm. or anything like that. So we'll just end it here. Um, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you guys very, very soon. Okay. Take care.